Hello, welcome back to Witch Fix, and this is chapter five and six of my novel Wayward. I'll do a quick recap on what you may have missed or forgotten about since the previous episode. Uh, I just wanted to also add some context for some of the characters you meet in this chapter, mainly Chronicle and Ilex, who were mentioned by Nara in the previous chapter. Chronicle and Ilex are actually survivors from another novel that I started writing and then never finished, but I kind of stole them back from it to be in this one. Uh, And originally that novel was about real life vampirism. So it was very much about um, psi vampires and sanguine vampires who are vampires who are people who feed on psychic energy and then uh, sanguine vampires who feed on actual human blood and um, this was inspired by like a number of episodes of like things like CSI where they kind of use that as the basis for a, a crime mystery for that week um, and also by like reading up about actual people who live as vampires in that way and Chronicle was originally one of one such blood drinking vampire who'd been sort of brought into it in a way that wasn't entirely great and so she was kind of angry at the the general community and it was something that she then needed to do to continue her life and to not be um, kind of driven mad by this psychic powers that she had gained from blood drinking. And she was trying to help a detective called Michael solve a murder. Michael, who I did not choose to rescue from that book. <laughs> but um, Ilex was another vampire that they actually met later on. And while neither of them are vampires in this book, they do still have kind of that weird vampiric sense to them sort of like um some of the more haughty vampires of true blood uh but yeah i i recycled them into this novel because i wasn't quite ready to say goodbye to those characters yet what you missed in the previous episode or what you might need reminding of is that michaela actually made it out to the house with cray and this is the house where the runaways live and he told her about the fact that they were witches and that Sophia was sort of their leader and they kind of run it like a gang in that there are initiates uh, who are lower levels and then there are lieutenants and then there is Sophia leading them all and we met Nara who is um, one of the first witches she's met but we didn't really get to see a lot of Nara because Michaela instantly decided to wait she was in over her head and she was gonna leave but then Cray caught up with her and said that maybe they could use magic to help her get back in with her parents and then he showed her some magic he turned a stone into a pound coin and Michaela definitely thinks that that was a trick of sleight of hand but um, it got her to stay and now she's gone in to meet the rest of the witches. I'm gonna include a trigger warning for this episode which is to do with there's underage drinking and discussion of underage drug use but also when the runaways start to share their stories there's also some issues in there um particularly um, one of the characters who's run away from an abusive stepdad who was sexually abusing her so uh, it's not really discussed in any detail but warning for that in this chapter and in other chapters when it comes up again uh, just if that's going to upset you just so that you're aware that it's there And this is chapter five of Wayward by Sarah Goodwin. The three of us walk out of the dank front room into what must be the lounge. I'm relieved to see a wood-framed sofa with dusty pink cushions and two green wing chairs at opposite ends of a table constructed from wooden crates. They're normal enough to have actual furniture, at least, not just mattresses on the floor. There are band posters taped to the wall ripped from magazines, curly symbols painted in between. 
Against one wall are heaps of books, and on top of stacks, as on the table, white candles are melting onto mismatched plates. In the chairs are two of the coolest looking people I've ever seen. Both of them are wearing black, their boots, their shirts, his jeans, her skirt, right down to their fingerless gloves. The boy is pale, with eyes like clear green marbles. The girl has long red hair and dark green nail polish. Ilex Chronicle, this is Michaela. I found her at the station, Cray says politely, gesturing to each of the strangers as he says their names. They blink owlishly at me from their seats. Welcome to Wayward House, Ilex, the boy says with a small smile. I glance at Cray questioningly. It's the name of a forest in some book. Sophia chose it. Cray shrugs. So, Chronicle sits up a little straighter and looks at me, and I notice for the first time that both she and Ilex are wearing identical necklaces, brown leather strips with green crystal beads on them. Why did you run away? I didn't. I got thrown out, I tell her, feeling like I'm starting my first day at school all over again. Ilex nods slowly. I was thrown out, he says. My parents were not enamoured with the idea of their son turning gay. Cray flops onto the sofa and lights up a cigarette. Nara takes a seat beside him. She looks at me and pats the cushion beside her. Cray offers me a cigarette and the packet is passed around. So you do magic? I ask. Ilex smiles lazily. We've been known to. Like what? Cray opens his mouth, looks at Ilex and Chronicle, then closes it again. We can't tell you unless you're initiated. But you said you'd help me, I point out. And we will, but we can't tell you how we're going to do it, Cray explains. It's one of the rules to keep silent. Every time I think things can't get creepier, they do. The only thing that's keeping me from leaving is the fact that they look so normal, sitting around and smoking, just like kids from school. So they believe in a load of fantasy bollocks. I've only been homeless for a few hours, and already I can understand how it would help to believe in something, anything, other than murderers and drug addicts. I suppose Cray has regaled you with his story already, Ilex says. No, he hasn't. I glance at Cray and find him throwing an angry look at Ilex. Well, don't you think you should, Ilex says. Cray glares at him, and I see that Nara's getting agitated. You don't have to, I say quickly. No, it's fine, says Cray, making it sound like the least fine thing in the world. I ran away from home because my dad wanted to send me away to school. In Switzerland. Whatever I'd been expecting, it wasn't that. So your family's rich, Ilex says, utterly loaded. Crow flushes. It's not like you were poor. But I am now, Ilex says, a look of distaste passing over his features. It's not like I could go home tomorrow and get the whole lot back. Not like you, he snorts. But you're not going to because you like playing runaway so much. Quay stands up without warning, looking down on Ilex menacingly. The other boy just looks up at him. Who outranks you? Ilex asks softly. Cray sits back down, but I can see that his hands are still curled into tight fists. As awkward and unsettling as it is to watch the two of them trade insults, it makes me feel a little better. They're just like me after all, arguing like me and Tasha do over who's got the book I swear I lent her and that she says she's never seen. Chronicle catches my eye. The rest of us aren't as Paris Hilton as Cray and Ilex. I used to live over a chippy in Harlow. She stubs out her cigarette. Classic, really. Dad runs off. Stepdad is way too loose with the boundaries. Exit one daughter, stage right. Their stories are so different to mine. I'd always thought that people ran away because of things like that. Pregnancy, being gay, abuse. My story's all wrong. Mine started with me joining a new school and only having Tasha and Chloe to pal around with. It ended last night when my parents had thrown me out for doing the one thing I could do to keep in with my new friends. The door on the other side of the room opens 
and a girl dressed all in black with black braids and white eyeliner steps into the room. She looks at me and then at Ilex. Who's she? Ilex rolls his eyes. Michaela, this is Campion, another charming grunt. Well, she can see Sophia now, I suppose, Campion says, ignoring the insult. Looks like you're going to meet our illustrious leader. Be careful, she eats the flesh of the weak. Chronicle slaps Ilex on the arm. I was joking, he says. Cray touches my arm, smiling encouragingly. It shouldn't make me feel better about going further into the strange house to meet the leader of a group of witches, but it does. I stand up and mutter goodbye awkwardly, making my way to the door. The hallway beyond is dark, but there's another plate of dripping candles on a shelf. I climb up the stairs, noticing more painted symbols here and there on the patchy plaster. On the landing I pause, disorientated, until I spot a door with the word Sophia written on it in glitter marker. I cross the creaking boards and tap on it lightly. Yes? I open the door and step into Marilyn Manson's bedroom. Everything that isn't draped in dusty bits of velvet or black sheets is covered in random junk. Plates of candles, high-heeled shoes, books, glass bottles, compacts and tubes of makeup, old ornaments and a stuffed owl which dominates the room. It's kind of gross, like a musty old charity shop. Aside from the makeup and cool shoes, I don't rate it much. In the middle of the mess is an armchair facing a small coffee table. And in that chair sits a girl with long, tangled blonde hair, huge green eyes and the meanest little mouth I've ever seen. You're new. Cray brought you. I nod. He said I could stay here until I can call my mum tomorrow. Well, of course it's all right. She frowns like it isn't. But you should have told me first. I need to be informed of these things. Who's here? Who's not? You can sleep in Nara and Campion's room. It's where all the girls sleep. Well, not me, but the others. Thanks. Sophia's starting to put my back up, the way Tasha did sometimes. She's clearly taking the whole grand high witch thing way too seriously. She's even wearing the same kind of dusty velvet that's all over the room, pinned into a cloak with a big rhinestone brooch. I have no idea how the others put up with her. How much has Cray told you about us? She asks. Not much, that you're runaways and you do magic. Sophia stares at me intently. You think it's bullshit? I think it's about as bullshit as believing that Jesus can walk on water. Sophia laughs and I feel some of the tension in my spine subside. Well, maybe we'll change your mind, she smiles, when you see what we can do. Maybe. Your name's Michaela, isn't it? How did you... She rolls her eyes. Thin flaws. Oh, I say feeling a little deflated that the answer didn't involve a crystal ball or ESP. I'm Sophia, and while you're here, you're my guest, so have fun, and don't take any crap from Ilex. She points at me semi-seriously. He can be an arse sometimes. All the time, in fact. I'll watch out for that. Then I'll see you later. She gets up and crosses the small space, placing her hand on my arm as she steers me towards the door. And if you want to stay longer than today, you only have to ask. Thanks, I say again. Politely, even though nothing could persuade me to stay with these freaks any longer than I have to. Well, almost nothing, I think, as Sophia's hand leaves my arm. If Mum didn't let me come home, I might have no other choice. Chapter 6 Downstairs, the others have spread sofa cushions on the floor and are in the process of arranging cans of lager and bottles of wine in the centre of the room. I sit down cross-legged on a cushion next to Cray. Drink? he asks, holding out an unopened can of Stella. It's morning. I point out. We don't tend to notice things like that, Cray says with a half smile. I take it, snap the ring pull back. Thanks. So what do you guys do? For fun. Cray shrugs. Whatever we feel like. He cracks open his own can. 
How was it upstairs? Creepy, but she seems okay. You have me worried. She's all right when she's not in a mood, Campion interjects. You can really catch it if you piss her off. She threw a whole plate of candles at me once when I tried to look in the grimoire. Grimoire. Magic book, Campion rolls her eyes. Sophia calls it that. Some fucking French word that means the exact same thing. You're not a fan of all this witch stuff, I say. Magic? Yeah, of course. Campion takes a swig of Foster's, warming to her theme. But why get all tight-arsed and pretentious about it? That kind of thing made me drop out of uni. You were at uni? I can't help sounding surprised. Campion glares at me. Yeah, I was. De Montfort. Psychology. Back when my name was... She breaks off. Was, I prompt. It's embarrassing, she mutters. Come on, tell me. Cray, who's been following the conversation, smirks into his can. Go on, Campion. Tell her. She sighs. Margaret. I try really hard not to laugh. Cray splutters into his fist. Fuck you, Campion says, but she's fighting not to smile. You're next, Cray. Tell her. I don't think I can beat Margaret, he mutters, the tip of his ears turning red. Really? Byron? Ilex chips in. Byron? I can't help sounding mean. Oh my god. Byron Lacey II. He clicks his can against mine, smiling shamefacedly. Nice to meet you, I say, miming, tipping my hat. He sticks his tongue out. Chronicle pours herself another glass of rosé and leans back against one of the chairs, her long red hair fanning out. Nicole, she says. Your turn, Ilex. Richard. Ilex puts his empty glass on the floor and picks up the communal packet of cigarettes, lighting one and holding it like a count in an old film. Nara. Famida, Nara says, and hands me my second can. The stores of alcohol seem limitless, and I wonder where they get it all from. Chronicle and Ilex have first choice, taking the wine while the rest of us drink lager or beer. I switch to a can of coke after my second drink, and at that point I'm feeling less stressed out and a lot more comfortable. Nara and Campion strike up a conversation about the students at the campus, mostly complaining about the mess they create and the way they sometimes make it out to the village late at night, causing trouble. I find that I'm leaning against Cray. When I get embarrassed and start to move, he puts his arm round me. It's nice, warm and not quite so scary as it would have been a few hours ago. Nara passes round a large bag of crisps for breakfast, and after a while Chronicle drifts away and starts reading a magazine, draping herself over the cushionless sofa. Cray takes out a deck of old cards with his free hand and starts to lay out a game on the floor. Patience, he tells me, even though I didn't ask. English solitaire. He plays one-handed, and I'm so tired that I close my eyes and drift for a bit. Drinking always makes me sleepy. I listen to Nara, who gets up and wanders off with Campion to turn on a radio. After a while, I hear Lady Gaga playing in the other room. I lick sighs and mutters, Ugh, not this again. I hear Chronicle flick a page over idly. Let them have some fun, Ilex. Jesus. It's shit, he complains. So's Coldplay, but we let you listen to it. I tip my head up and open my eyes. I need to find Cray looking down at me. There's an awkward second where we're so close that I can feel him breathing, and I have time to worry about my beer breath before he kisses me. I hear Chronicle behind me saying, Wow, that was fast. Just as Ilex says, I don't believe this. Cray moves back a little, blinks, then looks down at his cards. Sorry, he mutters. It's okay. Then we're kissing again, and after a while I forget that all my things are in a bag on the floor and my parents have kicked me out. Just for a while. Eventually I'm too tired to sit up, and I say that I think I should get some sleep before I go and call my mum. 
Craig goes shy and quiet, shuffling his cards and dealing out another game. But he smiles at me as I go upstairs with Nara and Campion. It makes my heart feel like someone's tied a cord tightly around it. He moved fast, Campion says, nudging me as we get to the landing. It's just been a weird night, I mutter. Nara opens a door marked Witches in Glitter, and we go into the room which has five mattresses on the floor, three of which are draped with blankets and sleeping bags. The window is covered in scraps of sari silk, and there are some pinned to the walls between band posters. There are also pictures cut from magazines, shoes, cool buildings, cocktails in bright glasses, the same sorts of things I stuck up on my wall at home. Campion drops down onto a mattress and picks up a book. Nara, who's carrying my bag, takes me over to a bare mattress. You can have this one. I'll loan you some covers. Whose is that? I point to the mattress next to mine. Even though it's bare, there's a small pile next to it. Cushions and a blanket, like someone's just cleared the bed. Oh, that was one of the initiates, Whiteheart. She's gone to stay in a squat in Bristol for a while. Why? That's where the new coven is, she says. Everyone keeps finding new people. We can't all live here. Cray especially, he gets a lot of new people. I think he found her, Whiteheart. She's great. You'll meet her if you ever go to Bristol. I'm too tired to really pay much attention, but I'm glad that Cray'd been there to find me. Even if it was only something he did all the time, nothing personal. Now I must see some of the fizzy happiness leave me, because she adds quickly. He does like you. He doesn't just try it on with everyone. Campion snorts. That's Ilex's job. That's disrespectful. Nara frowns, but it soon breaks into a sly grin. It's true, but disrespectful. I thought Ilex was gay, I say. Campion rolls her eyes. He's a slut when he's had a few. Very, very uninterested in the ladies when sober. Nara takes a sheet and blanket out of a cardboard box on the floor. The sheet is still in its plastic wrapper, and the blanket has a price tag on it. She catches me looking and shrugs. If stealing bothers you, you're really in the wrong house. It doesn't. I tell her, especially when I'm this tired. Together we put the sheet on the mattress and spread the blanket over it. Nara lends me a fuzzy pink pillow from her bed and I sit on the edge of the mattress to take my shoes off. From my bag I hear the pathetic noise of my mobile battery dying and of course I don't have my charger, even if the house had power, which I doubt. My phone's dead. I'll take you over to the payphone in the morning, Nara promises as I lie down. Right now we're going to go pick on Cray. Chatting up the noob, it comes with a price, Campion says gleefully. They leave me with twin teasing grins, and I lie down on the mattress in the semi-darkness. I'm so unbelievably tired, and it's nice to finally be warm and comfy. I start to wonder what Tash is doing right at this very minute. I wouldn't be surprised if she was in bed with Joe, not giving me a second thought. My parents are probably still in bed. They will be until seven when Dad gets up for work. I close my tired eyes and try to get some much-needed sleep. I hope you've enjoyed this chapter and remember you can buy the full book Wayward on Amazon for 99p and you can also buy my new book Dead to Rights which is a detective novel featuring Wiccan characters and occult crime. That's also 99p and they're both under the name Sarah Goodwin on Amazon. If you're enjoying Wayward you can also leave a review on Goodreads or on Amazon and I'd be really happy to hear about what you're thinking via the usual contact ways for the podcast so if you want to tweet me at witchfix or you can email witchfixpodcast at gmail.com and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!